Because the goal of expository preaching, as we've, we've said so many times so today, isn't just to present a bunch of random thoughts about different Bible verses. Uh, the goal is to present a cohesive message which faithfully exposits or exposes or explains the message of the text. Hey, you're listening to the Expositors Collective Podcast, episode 64. Thank you so much for joining us. This episode is going to be worth your time. Uh, Nick Cady speaks to us uh, about the importance of outlining our messages. Now, guys, I know it's not a sexy or glamorous topic, but it's crucially important. As important as the skeleton within your body is. Um, The outline is not only the shape, not only the logical flow, but really it's the destination of where we want to take people in our teaching and in our preaching. Without having a clear outline, we just have these unorganized collections of truth. And and that's good, but an outlined, thoughtful, progressive, destination-oriented message is far better than just you standing there or sitting on a stool and just saying a lot of true but disconnected things. So listen up to Nick Cady. Um, He's got some great things to say. Um, He's on the steering committee of the Expositors Collective team, Um, a valuable guy in so many ways. And I can't wait to see him in just a few days' time in Howell, New Jersey. Um, He's going to be one of the leaders at our upcoming training weekend in Howell, New Jersey. So if you are already signed up, then I look forward to seeing you there as well. And then if you're not, would you please consider joining us September 20th and 21st in Howell, New Jersey. All right, here's Nick Katie on the importance of starting with your destination in mind. You guys pretty excited about learning about outlining? Yeah? yeah I got a laugh, actually. I wasn't expecting that. Um, so... <laughs> yeah, when I got this topic of outlining, I was uh, I was telling somebody earlier, like, this is the least sexy topic of all of the topics that we have, is outlining. Like, nobody, uh, like you guys looked at your schedule, and you're, uh, nobody was like, I'm really excited about, I can't wait for number five. Like, outlining, I want to hear what he has to say. At least that's what I thought, until I arrived, I was sitting in my group, and I met Justin and Justin, I asked my group, what do you hope to get out of the Expositors Collective? And you know what Justin said? I want to learn how to outline my message. I'm not kidding. So, amazing. Justin, you, I hope you guys are as excited about Justin as I am. Uh, and this, this talk about outlining. Guys, guess what? Do you know how I started out by, like, I got this topic, right, to talk about outlining? So what did I do to prepare? I wrote an outline, an outline about outlines. Just think about that for a while, right? Uh, and that is how much I love outlines. I was thinking about outlines, so I made an outline about it, okay? So now with Dan Finfrock, right, we talked about outlines in a way, but it was in a different way than I'm going to talk about them. So we talked about them as regards um, inductive Bible study, doing your exposition of the text, studying, getting the 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 points out of the text. What I'm going to be talking about in outlining is really, it has to do more with presentation. So here's my outline, guys. Uh, Here's what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to tell you where we're going, and then we're going to go through it. So here's my outline. Number one, why you need an outline. 
Secondly, I want to talk about how to build an outline. Thirdly, I want to tell you my process for outlining. And then I'm going to give you an example of a message that I taught most recently at my church and my outline for it and, and how that looked. So why you need an outline, how to build an outline, my process, and finally an example. Okay, why you need an outline. So when I was growing up, my dad had this bad habit, and it's a habit that I inherited, as we do so many uh, of our habits of our parents, right? And so here was the thing. When I was a kid, um, sometimes my family, we would get in the car, and then my dad would just start driving. And uh, the only thing was that sometimes he didn't uh, know where he was going, right? And so I played competitive baseball. So for more than half the year, like eight months out of the year, we were traveling all over Colorado where I grew up, and we were going to tournaments like all the time. So uh, sometimes it would be time to leave, you know, in the big, big rush. We've got to pack the car. Everybody's got to get in the car. And then once we were in the car, dad would start driving. And after a few minutes, sometimes my mom would ask him, wait, do you know where we're going? And he would be like, no, I'm just going, right? Like, I'm just driving. And it wasn't a problem when it came to getting out of the neighborhood, right? Like, you can actually do that. You can start driving. Uh, but once you get out of the neighborhood, and then you get, like, to a main intersection or main road where you have to make a decision, well, that's when things can get uh, to be a problem, right? Like, he would drive west when we needed to go south. And because he didn't know where we were going, you know, sometimes he would get lucky, right? Like, he would uh, turn right. And it turned out that was the exact direction that we needed to go. But most of the time, he didn't get lucky, and we would just end up driving. And then after a while, we'd have to kind of steer back around, and we'd eventually make it to the destination usually, right? Always, we made it to the destination, but not without having wasted a lot of time and a lot of energy, not to mention frustration on the part of those who were along for the ride. Do you get where I'm going? yet with uh, outlining? Okay, so how this relates to sermons. When I first started preaching, um, I prepared, I approached preparing my sermons much in the same way that my dad approached driving to baseball tournaments. I had no idea where uh, I was going or where I was going to end up or where the message was going. I had no idea what the destination was, but I would just start going for it, right? Like I'd start writing stuff down without knowing my destination, where I was trying to get to, uh, nor with having a plan, right? So without having a plan for how I was going to get there. So I'd take my text, you know, whatever the first verse was, or maybe the first couple verses, I'd take it and then I'd just start writing stuff down, uh, ideas that I have about it, thoughts that I had about it, things that I've heard other people say about that passage. And the result tended to be, like what David described earlier, as kind of just a bunch of random, disconnected thoughts, that idea of read and ramble. And I'd read a verse or two, and then I would drop some truth on people. At least that's what I thought I was doing, right? Dropping truth on people from this verse or that. And then I'd read another couple verses, and I'd drop some more truth on people. But the thing, uh, the things that I said about each of these verses were not usually connected to each other. Uh, they're just kind of random thoughts, disconnected. And whereas I thought that I was teaching the passage, the truth was I was really just using those verses as a springboard to talk about all sorts of random things that I thought. Uh, you know, sometimes like my dad, I would get lucky. And I would end up driving in the right direction, so to say, right? But most of the time, uh, I didn't start out with knowing where I was going, what my destination was, and creating a plan for how to get there. And I ended up wasting a lot of time 
both in my preparation, but oftentimes also in my sermon. End up wasting a lot of time uh, by going on rabbit trails, for example, or talking about things which deviated from the main thrust or point of that text. So guys, that's why you need an outline. Because the goal of expository preaching, as we've, we've said so many times so d- today, isn't just to present a bunch of random thoughts about different Bible verses. Uh, the goal is to present a cohesive message which faithfully exposits or exposes or explains the message of the text. You want to help your listeners see what the text is saying and to understand why it is so very important, specifically why it is so important to them personally, how it applies to their lives, and how they can respond to it appropriately. In other words, your goal is to take your listeners on a journey. And each step in the message should be moving them forward on that journey towards that destination which you want them to arrive at. In order to take your listeners on that journey, you need a map and you need a process. Two things, a map and a process. That's where your outline comes in. And so we want to start with your destination in mind, identifying your destination, and then you want to map out the steps which will progressively move them towards your listeners, move them towards that destination. So let's talk about how to do that. And I'll, I'll kind of reiterate that point again. Uh, but it's, let's talk about how to build an outline. The first thing you're going to want to do when creating your outline is to identify the big idea, right? Or the thesis statement, right? You want to understand the big idea of that text. Any text or any passage, there is going to be a big idea. There's going to be a particular doctrine which that passage is teaching, or an argument that is being made in the passage, or an idea that's being presented in the passage. And you're going to get this through your inductive Bible study. So the point that I'm at right now, you've already done your inductive Bible study. You've already dug into the text analyzed it, picked it all apart, and all of that. So once you've done that, you should know, okay, what is the big idea of this text? After you've identified the big idea of the text, you're going to want to begin to build a case, build a case, or develop this idea, or build an argument, you might say. To do this, you're going to want to identify some main points. So you're going to want to identify some main points, either from the text itself, or from other passages in the Bible. So for example, if you're teaching one verse... Well, it might not all be in there, right? The the big argument. It might be that you're drawing on other biblical passages to make that point, but your goal is to exposit the main idea, the thrust of that text. And so you're going to want to have main, or you're going to want to have a big idea and then the main points. So your goal is to take this big idea that's in the text and bring it to bear upon your listeners in a way that compels them and moves them from where they are to where God wants to take them through that passage. And one of the most effective ways to do that is by building a progression. I think this is really important to say. It's by building a progression. Dan actually alluded to this earlier. Uh, But let's go a little further with uh, talking about this. Building a progression with your points. In other words, so that point one actually leads to point two, and point two leads to point three, and you're, you're making like a trail of breadcrumbs, right? For the person to follow, right? This one leads to this one. That one leads to the next one. And finally, each one leads to it. The whole thing leads to a definite conclusion. 
And get this, the conclusion is that big idea. It's the big idea of the text. So you're building this trail of breadcrumbs that leads them to the big idea of the text. So ideally, you're, you're wanting to create a progression of thought so that your points aren't just independent thoughts, uh, independent from each other, but they're all working together and each point advancing your argument, leading to your ultimate conclusion, which is the big idea or the thrust of the passage. The idea is, again, you're taking people on a journey, and that means you start with where they're at, and you lead them progressively, step by step, to the great truth which your passage presents, so that they are compelled to respond appropriately. And the response might differ based on the passage and the big idea of the passage. So sometimes the response that's appropriate will be repenting, other times it will be trusting, other times it will be taking a step of faith. So let me talk to you about my process and how this, what this actually looks like in practice for me. Now, again, I, I want to say this. There is not just one right way to do this, um, but I want to walk you through my process. One of the benefits I've found to outlining is that it doesn't just give you a roadmap. It gives you a process. So it doesn't just give you a roadmap. It gives you a process. And having a process, here's what it does for me. It helps me to consistently write good sermons in less time good sermons in less time. I know that if I follow this process, I will consistently preach good sermons and it will take me less time to prepare them. Now, um, that's the goal, by the way, preaching good sermons. One of the most helpful pieces of advice I ever heard about preaching, something that really kind of set me free, was from Tim Keller. And uh, here's what he said in a lecture on preaching. He said this, don't try to preach great sermons. Always try to preach good sermons. And, uh, and he said, yes, that's your job, to preach good sermons, not to preach great sermons. And he said, here's why. Because only God can take a good sermon and by his Holy Spirit make it great in the hearts and minds of your hearers. But if you're always trying to preach great sermons, you're trying too hard to do something that only God can do. And you're going to wear yourself out. You might wear out your hearers, honestly. And, uh, and, you know, think about it like a baseball analogy, right? If every time you get up, you're trying to hit a home run, you're going to strike out most of the time. But if you get up there every time and your goal is to hit a base hit, that's what we're talking about. Get up there, hit a base hit, um, and that is your job to preach good sermons. So what does it mean for a sermon to be good? It means that all the essential elements are in place. You are rightly dividing the scriptures. You're applying it. You're presenting it well. You're showing how all of these things point to Jesus as the great hero. It's the work of the Holy Spirit to take that good sermon and make it into a great sermon in the hearts and minds of your hearers. That's why you'll notice anytime you preach, there are going to be people who are bored out of their minds, disconnected, falling asleep, and there are going to be other people who in that moment, the Holy Spirit is using what you're saying to move them or to do something amazing in their life. And so it's the work of the Holy Spirit to take good sermons and make them great in the hearts and minds of the hearers. But in order for that to happen, you have to deliver it. It's like the fire on the altar. Your job is to set up the altar and present the sacrifice and only God can bring the fire from heaven. So for me, I've developed a process of outlining uh, which helps me to prepare good sermons faster. And here's, here's what it is. Similar to Rob, like he, he has a template, right? Well, I have a template as well, which I've created, and I use it every week. And I know that if I follow this template, I will create good sermons, and it will help me do it in less time. So step one is this. It's five steps, okay? Step one, the big idea. We've already kind of talked about that. I want to start, start on 
on this piece of paper, I use a, you know, document on my computer and I have, it's just written there, big idea. And here's what I try to do. I want to write down the big idea. I want to summarize the big idea of the text, the thesis statement of the text in one sentence. That's my goal. Sometimes it ends up being two, but my goal is one sentence. And oftentimes, guys, I want to, I'll work on that sentence so I get it right. And I will repeat that sentence sometimes two, three times over the course of my sermon because it's the big idea of the text. I want to make sure my listeners understand it. So the big idea, that is my destination. That's where I'm going to. That's where I'm taking people to. So I need to determine what that is before I start out on the journey. So the big idea. Step two is the main points. We've already kind of talked about this, but the main points. I want to write those down. So I have first heading, big idea. Second heading, main points. This might be two points. It might be three. It might be four. I usually try to keep it somewhere in that range. But, you know, like David, I I once heard him preach a message. It was like uh, nine points or something. So, and uh, you can do that, right? But um, these main points are the way that I'm dividing up and presenting my text in order to build that progressive argument, which leads people step by step to the conclusion, which is the big idea. So these two steps, determining the big idea and the main points, this is where I actually spend most of my time in outlining. I want to get this right because it's really important, right? Like we need to know where we're going and what our plan is to get there before we set out on the journey. Next, step three, introduction. So in my introduction, I know there's different approaches to this, but here's my approach. In my introduction, my goal is to lay a foundation for why people should listen to what I'm about to say. I want to lay a foundation. I want to build a bridge for my listeners to grab their attention, show them why the big idea of this text matters, specifically why it matters to them. In other words, why they should care. One of the best ways I've found to do this, I think this is kind of natural, inherent to us as human beings, is through using tension as a tool, right? So you want to present the tension, which is inherent there in the text, right? What is the question that the text is answering? Maybe there's something that a lot of people struggle with that the text is addressing, something they wonder about. Um, If the text deals with forgiveness, that why is forgiveness necessary? Uh, Why is forgiveness hard? Why is forgiveness important? So I want to build a bridge, show people why this matters and why they should listen to what I'm about to say. Uh, You can uh, begin by setting up that tension which the text is going to resolve. So I take the big idea of the text and I use it uh, to build a bridge so people can connect with why the text matters to them. Step four, I work on my conclusion. So after I've got my main points, I want to arrive at a destination. So you've got to conclude the journey. You have to land the plane. And, and you want to land it well, right? You want to show people how everything you've been saying up until this point, it all leads to this one conclusion, which is the big idea of the text. Specifically, I, I want to land the plane, as we've talked about, by pointing people to Jesus as the answer to all the riddles. Right? That's what I want to do. I don't want to send people away with a list of things that they need to do in their own strength. I want to send people away with an understanding and an assurance and a confidence in what Jesus has done for them so that anything they do is a response to that. Um, how you land the plane is really important. Have you ever been on a plane that, that did that where like they couldn't get a landing spot and you just circled and circled and circled? It's miserable. It's also miserable to sit in a sermon that does the same thing, right? Have you been in one of those? It's circles and circles. And you're like, when is this guy going to just land the plane? Other times, 
the landing will just be super abrupt, right? Just boom, whoa, we're on the ground already. And uh, how you land the plane is important. So before you, you uh, start out on your journey, so before I start filling in my main points and writing the body of my text, I want to plan my conclusion and how I'm going to land this whole thing. Now, step five is where you're filling in your outline, right? This is where you're filling in the body of your message, how you're going to walk your listeners through the text of Scripture that you're studying. And so what I do as I'm writing my outline in my document, I have my introduction, then I'll paste my, my main points in there, however many there are, and then my conclusion. So in between my introduction and conclusion. And, uh, and one of the things you're going to want to do as you're doing this, you're going to want to illustrate your main points. You know, illustrations are kind of like opening the windows in a, uh, in a muggy room. It kind of just brings in some fresh air, kind of helps people wake up, helps them reconnect. A basic structure for uh, illustrations is this. Make your point, illustrate your point, then make your point again, state your point again, and then illustrate it again. Now, uh, I will write that into my outline. Like, I will write illustration here, even if I don't have one yet, right? That gives me time to think throughout the week and those days, okay, well, what would be a good way to illustrate this? So I'll actually put that in my outline, even if I don't have an illustration yet. I would say this, illustrations aren't necessary, but they're very helpful. Um, So this is a good basic structure to follow when it comes to illustrations. Make your point, illustrate your point, make it again, illustrate it again. Okay, what does this look like on an average week for me? Here, here's what it looks like. Monday morning, I sit down and I spend three hours. I actually use a timer for all the things that I do. I spend three hours studying the text, doing my inductive Bible study, taking notes, reading, identifying the big idea and the main point. So three hours to find the big idea and the main point. Then on Monday night at 6 p.m., I meet with a group of five guys. They come to our church office. These are five guys I'm training to preach. And we read the text together. I show them my big idea, my main points, and then I ask for their input. And um, they help with, you know, giving me ideas for how to introduce it and my conclusion and my illustrations. That's very helpful. Tuesday, I don't touch it at all. I let it breathe. I let myself just kind of think as I'm going about my day. Wednesday, I write just my introduction. Thursday, I write just my conclusion. Friday, I fill in the outline. And Saturday, I review it. Now, I'm just going to give you, and I'm going to finish here. I want to show you my latest outline, right? So for my last message, so you can see how this works out practically. So if you have your Bibles, you could check this out with me if you want, because I want you to kind of see the text. Um, James chapter 1. Verses 19 through 27. And yeah, that's right. I'm not going to preach it that way. Now I know what not to do. I'm going to throw out my outline. Yeah. So um, James 1, 19 through 27. I'm not going to read it. I just want you to look at it while I tell you what, my, what these points are. The big idea for this passage is this. The way to be blessed in all we do is to be doers of the word, not hearers only. Okay, so that's the main idea that's there in the text. The main points I've determined in this text are this, how to be blessed in all we do. That's verses 22 through 25. Secondly, how to become a doer of the word. That's verses 19 through 21. Then how, uh, what a doer of the word looks like. Now it's verses 26 and 27. Here's why I wanted you to look at that passage while I told you those points. Notice I'm teaching every verse, but I'm actually not teaching them in order. Now, I don't usually do that. Usually I teach them in order. But in this case, the way to build the argument, which I believe the text is making, 
is actually to teach these sections out of order, in my opinion. So um, in my introduction, I build a bridge by talking about ways that people in our society think about being blessed, and then asking the question, does the Bible actually define blessedness in a different way? And then in my conclusion, I, I land the plane on Jesus, the one who was blessed from all eternity, but gave up his blessed state and became cursed in order to take our curse so that we could become blessed. Where we are often, we often fail to be doers of the word. Jesus did everything the Father told him, and through him, right, he fulfilled all of God's righteous requirements on our behalf. And we who trust in him and have been, uh, we've been given the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit enables us to do his will, even though we lack the ability in our flesh alone. So that's my process. But here's my point. You need an outline because you're taking your listeners on a journey. Your goal is not random, disconnected thoughts about different verses in the Bible. So however you do outlining, then definitely do it. But start by knowing your destination, then make a plan for how you're going to get there. That's what your outline is all about. Hey guys, this is Pastor Chris McCarrick, and I'd love to have you come out to uh, the Expositors Collective, which is being held in Howell, New Jersey, at Cornerstone Calvary Chapel on September 20th and 21st of this year. And we would we would really be excited to see you come. So you can register at expositorscollective.com, and uh, and we we really look forward to meeting with you. So love to see you there.